The following message is by Pastor Eric Ludi. More information about the church at Ellerslie is available at www.ellerslie.com. I don't know exactly how to describe this message, but it's a message for every young person with the radical call of Jesus Christ upon their life. And it's a message for every parent that has a young person with a radical call of Jesus Christ upon their life. And some of you could say, well, this would make a lot more sense to give when Ellerslie is in session. Well, this is when God chose to give it, right now. Uh, I'm not the one that uh, is attempting to choose when and where. Uh, this is what God sort of placed this week. And so there's some significant purpose for it, and you just happen to be here. Which means if you've been wondering what in the world your life is about and what you're here on earth for, you might as well just get the gulp out of the way right now because this is an intense calling. Uh, You know, Christianity in a nutshell is laying down your life to find it. It's giving up all that you are to find all that Jesus is. We have recast and refashioned Christianity in our modern day to be something that it simply isn't, and it keeps us alive and puts some type of badge over our life which basically says, forgiven, and cleansed, set free, and headed towards heaven. But what Jesus Christ is desiring to do and what he did upon that cross was he purchased a people. And he is interested in gaining access to that people so that he could inhabit that people And he could call that people not just his own, but that we would become his hands and his feet, otherwise known as his body. And what he would be doing on earth is what we, his body, are doing on earth. You don't just come to Jesus and then live life the way you always have. When you come to Jesus, he changes you. And the entire purpose and construct of your life changes and transforms. You are no longer your own You are bought with a price. And the life you now live in this body, you live by faith of the Son of God. Your fuel source is something altogether different than the fuel source of this earth. Your thinking processes, your wisdom points, and how you generate your lifestyle comes from a different source. You function differently than this world around you. You have the same skin, same eyes, same mouth. You functionally and physiologically look like the world around you, but you live completely different. You live for a different end game. The Christian's end game is the glory of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with their own fame, their own renown, their own ambitions. A Christian at the very onset at the very inception point of the gospel life, lays their life down, never to pick it up again. The Exceteras, this name comes from one of my favorite missionaries who's known as C.T. Studd. Have you ever heard of a cooler name than that for a missionary? C.T. Studd? Just imagine this, okay? I, my, my name's Eric Winston Ludy. We could do E.W., Okay, just imagine how much better this sounds than E.W. Ludi. E.W. Stud. I mean, I could do damage with that name. Instead, I got Ludi, which is part of the hilarity of that name. You know, I've told some of you this, but when I was in college, this Japanese foreign exchange student came up to me, and, you know, we were introducing ourselves, and I said, yeah, my name is Eric Ludi, and she goes, and she started laughing, and I said, what's going on? She goes, in Japan, ludi me nerd. (laughs) And so here's the ironic twist to this story. This is what I said to her way back all those years ago. I said, well, in America, it means stud. (laughs) So E.W. Ludi really is translated E.W. stud. Okay, so uh, that must be why I have such a bond uh, with uh, this guy. But C.T. Stud was would have been the equivalent of like a LeBron James in his culture. He was literally possibly one of the greatest athletes in the United Kingdom. 
And this is a culture, you know, they, they played cricket over there. And for us, that doesn't ring very deeply as far as, you know, awe and wonder. And it's like, yeah, cricket. Cricket is a high-skill sport. And to be literally what would be considered one of the greatest cricket players in the world was a huge thing. He was a household name in England. And Jesus Christ gets a hold of his life. What happened to this man? This man of great fame, he could leverage his platform and he could be the great cricket star. And at the very end when they interview him, he could say, and I just want to thank Jesus Christ. That's what he could do with this great platform. Instead, he leaves it all behind and he heads over to China, into interior China where no one even knew where he was. This man, uh, C.T. Studd, his dad was one of the wealthiest men in all of England. And his inheritance, and I don't know what it would translate to, but probably somewhere around 50 to 100 million dollars in good old hard American cash. That was his inheritance. His dad died right after he became a Christian, and he received the inheritance. What do you do with 50 to 100 million? We could, we could start a gospel society. We could do all sorts of things with this to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what C.T. Studd did with 50 to 100 million dollars? He gave every single dime away. Every dime. No one in his life knew he did it, except for his wife, who had just met, married. In fact, that was his, his, his wedding gift. He held back a certain amount so that his wife could decide what she wanted to do with it. And she gave it all away. And here they are. Their, their very beginning was in interior, in interior China. No one knew that they'd given their fortune away. So if you were going to support a missionary... Would you choose to support the studs who, I mean, are loaded with money? No one even knew that they gave it away, and then no one even knew how to get mail to them in interior China. This is a bad way to start out your married life because you're going to starve to death. Well, that is if you're not a servant of the Most High God. C.T. Stud proved something throughout his life. And that is when you give up everything for Jesus Christ. Or as he would say, when you gamble on God, you discover the treasure of heaven in Jesus Christ. This man is one of the most triumphant men that ever walked planet Earth. And yet the path that he walked is a path that hardly a one of us in this generation would even want to be 10 feet away from. Because it was radical and he spent everything most of us do not have 50 to 100 million dollars. And we are so far from being able to lay it all down. So this message, the etc., is when I say that it's a challenging one, I mean it. It's a challenging one for me. I have faced this message so many times in my life. Four years ago, I came to the etc.'s message. It wasn't called that. It doesn't have to be called the etc.'s to be this message. But it's the call of Christ upon your life where he asks for everything. And you have to measure your soul to see what you're keeping back. Because why are you keeping that back? What's your reason for that again? Well, I mean, he's not asking for it. What if he did? Would you be willing to lay it all down? And I mean everything. We're going to walk through the list, what we could call it the test of the etceteras or the etceteras test. This is Christianity. In America, there is nothing that sponsors this sort of Christianity. And I want you to know, back in, the, in, in old England, when C.T. Studd was walking around in the 1880s, there was nothing that promoted this then either. His life stood out as a beacon in the midst of that culture. His willingness to pour out his life when everyone around him knew what he was giving up. He was giving up fame. Why would anyone walk away from that? Why would anyone give up what he had to become someone who isn't even known anymore? I mean, he'll be forgotten in interior China. No one's going to know that he exists anymore. And right now, he has the applause of the world. Why would anyone ever walk away from that? Because he was walking towards something so much greater. There was this one story of a man uh, in the Middle East, and he was a great business mind. And he had the ability, and it was, it was dealing with oil and, and, and gas, and he had an ability, even with the Arab people, to negotiate and to make them feel, you know, comfortable with the decisions, and 
He was just a master with humans and with oil and gas. Just this great combination. And so one of the great oil companies uh, offered him a great position. And they said, you know, we would like to offer you this much money to come over and live. I don't know if it was Saudi Arabia, but to come over here and live and be our representative. It was a huge position, a massive amount of money. And the guy didn't even respond to the invitation. Why? Well, first of all, he was a missionary. And he had given his life radically to Jesus Christ. And so the oil and gas company said, you know, he's playing hard to get, huh? And so they sent an emissary to him, which basically made the pitch. And they said, okay, sorry we, you know, bid so low for you the first time. But, you know, if you'd forgive us for for doing that, we didn't want to slight you in any way, would you take double? And the man's like, no. I'm not even going to discuss it with you. And so the guy came back, and, and they're like, well, triple then. Offer him whatever it takes. So they, the guy comes back. He's like, triple. Okay, we're so sorry that we've offended you with these low numbers. What could you possibly need? Because we need you. He says, I have the greatest job in the universe. I represent the king of kings. And this is nothing to me. No matter how much you offer, it is nothing to me. Are you moved by gold or by God? What stirs you to action? What causes you to go to the other side of the earth? Because I guarantee you most Christians today, if they were offered the numbers that this man was offered, they would leave all and move to Saudi Arabia to be a businessman. But I would hazard to say that very few on earth that are living in comfortable America when receiving the call of Jesus Christ, would leave all and go to Saudi Arabia for Jesus Christ to be his representative. Not a businessman, his representative. There's nothing wrong with being a businessman. But are you willing to leave it all because the calling of Jesus Christ is so valuable to you? Wanted, gamblers for God. Here's some C.T. Stud quotes. By the way, I like these quotes. And these aren't even his good quotes, okay? This is just quotes that go along with the et ceteras. We should go crusading for Christ. We have the men, the means, and the ways. The steam and electricity and iron have leveled the lands and bridged the seas. The doors of the world have been opened wide for us by our God. We pray and preach. We bow the knee. We receive. We administer the holy communion of the passion of Christ. We recite the creed triumphantly. We are optimists, every one. We shout onward Christian soldiers marching on to war. And then, and then, we whisper, I pray thee have me excused. What glorious humbugs we are. We have all the right terminology. We sing all the right songs. We have all the right creeds. But when it comes to the radical calling of Jesus Christ, we pray, O Lord Please have me excused from this. I have reasons why I can't go. And whether it's physical health or whether it's debt, because I can't tell you how many Americans have debt and are unable to follow the the calling of Jesus Christ. And that is their reason. Or whether it's just raw fear of the unknown. Whatever your reason is, if it's insecurity, anxiety, and fear, if it's practical, and it's financial, if it's physical, I want you to realize that God is bigger. And the calling of Jesus Christ is bigger than any of your smallish reasonings for why you can't. Your God can. The calling of Jesus Christ, by simple definition, is a lot bigger than you are. You are called to be a world changer. And ironically, God will take the piddly, the insignificant and the nobodies of this earth and leverage their life if they are willing and he will turn the world upside down. It's not to be measured based on your ability, your pocketbook, your physical health, your stamina. It's based on him. He is the measuring. And if he's able, then you know without a doubt that you can go. Last June, this is back in, you know, early 1900, 
Last June at the mouth of the Congo, there awaited a thousand prospectors, traders, merchants, and gold seekers waiting to rush into these regions as soon as the government opened the door to them. Speaking of Africa. For rumor declared that there is an abundance of gold. If such men hear so loudly the call of gold and obey it, can it be the ears of Christ's soldiers are deaf to the call of God and the cries of the dying souls of men? Are gamblers for gold so many and gamblers for God so few? King Nicholas declared to his wartime rivals that his Montenegrins would henceforth spill their blood for their persecuted compatriots. When shall God be able to say, have you seen my Christians of today? No longer do they seek for gold or pleasure, for honors or ease, for henceforth my Christians will spill their blood for the love and cause of my beloved son and the salvation of the neediest of men. Yes, when? When indeed shall we see a real church militant here upon earth? I remember going to a concert. Uh, it was a, I was doing some type of drama. This is when I was in a missionary school. And it was like some summer camp thing. And uh, one of the musicians named Steve Camp was there. And he was discipled by Keith Green, who was discipled by Leonard Ravenhill. And so, you know, there's a little bit of fire in this guy. And Steve Camp, afterwards, we met with him uh, just you know, our missionary group was talking with him in the back, and he was saying, why is it that secular music is so much better than Christian? Back then, that was always the joke. Anyone who's been around in Christianity knows the joke, you know, that Christian music stunk, and, you know, secular music, you know, just had it. And so, you know, Christians, we would put up with the Christian music because, you know, it was, of course, better for us. And so Steve Camp was making the comment about it, and he said... It's because the secular musicians are more sold out to their sin than we are to our Savior. That's an excellent statement. To the degree that you are given marks the degree of the grandeur of your performance. If you are all in for Jesus, everyone knows it. If you're a partial adherent, and you're like, okay, you know, I'll give in this little measure over here. Everyone can sense it too. You're part in. And you're in until it gets difficult. And when it gets difficult, you're out. You have, for some reason, created a subconscious level of commitment. I can go up to this point and no further. I will follow Jesus with abandon as long as it doesn't mean this. Whatever that barrier is in your life has to be touched on by the Spirit of God this morning. Because that is the hindrance to Christianity being what it means to be in this culture today. It starts with us. So many of us look at the church of Jesus Christ today and we cluck our tongues. We're like, can you believe that? Look at this. It's weak. It's impotent. But we fail to allow God to examine us and to point out the fact that we have barricaded in our obedience and our level of givenness to Jesus Christ based on our fears, our insecurities, and our lack. And we have measured out what we are willing to give to our God based on that criteria. God's insignificance and nobodies. When, when C.T. Studd went to interior Africa, there had never been a Christian missionary that had ever gone there. There were gold seekers and adventurers that was the extent of who had ever been willing to risk their life for interior Africa. Interior Africa, not only is it full of cannibals, but it is also full of great disease. And any white man that would come in would inevitably die in months of some malarial type of disease. So, who's in? I mean, who wants to just go and die? What kind of calling is that? Before you even learn the language, you'll be dead. Can't you just see the reasoning points? I mean, think about all the reasons why you don't go. Well, to not go to interior Africa because you dive in the first few months because of a disease that no white man has the, the ability in their in interior, uh, what, what is it, immune system to be able to fight off, 
This doesn't bode well for anyone. So you think about your reason, and then you measure it against C.T. Studs. Okay, C.T. Studd, 52 years old at the time, and he knows that there are dying and lost in interior Africa, and no missionary voice has ever reached them. And he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt where he needs to go next. He spent 10 years of his life in interior China. I don't know, it was like six years of his life in interior India, and now Africa, three of the greatest mission fields of all time. This man was willing to go where no one else was willing to go. C.T. says, I'm going. The missionary society that was going to send him says, well, you have to pass a physical because he was very weak because of his time in China and his time in India. Physically, almost uh, unable to function in life. He would be awake most nights with asthma, and he couldn't breathe. He was weakly, sickly. Why? Because he'd spent his life for Jesus Christ. And now he wants to go to the most dangerous place physically on earth. And the missionary society said, we'll send you if you can pass the physical. Did he pass the physical? Nope. He failed it. And they said, we can't support you. You would die within days. And he said, God's calling is sure. To Africa I go. My missionary society is a society of one, known as the triune God. And he sends me forth. Watch what my God will do. One of some of the most extraordinary stories unfold from that moment on. Because here we have a 52-year-old sickly man who can't even be sent. He has, he's penniless. One of the wealthiest men in all of England is now penniless as a gospel tear for Jesus Christ. Why don't you live the remainder of your life, CT? You've given up your best years. Why don't you just live it as some missionary society chairman sending others out? No one's willing to go. If no one else is willing to go, then I have to go. He cherished the calling. He wanted to be the one to go. God's insignificance and nobody's. And after he had gone, he established through his work in Africa... Basically what is known as modern, modern missions of our day, or at least it was for the last 100 years because it's gone downhill in the past 10 to 20. But literally, that every creature would know the gospel. Believing, this is C.T. Studd speaking, believing that further delay would be sinful, some of God's insignificance and nobodies in particular... But trusting in our omnipotent God have decided on certain simple lines according to the book of God to make a definite attempt to render the evangelization of the world an accomplished fact. For this purpose we have banded together under the name of Christ's etc.'s and invite others of God's people to join us in this glorious enterprise. We are merely Christ's nobodies, otherwise Christ's etc.'s. We rejoice in and thank God for the good work being carried on in the already occupied lands of God's regular forces. We seek to attack and win to Christ only those parts of the devil's empire which are beyond the extremist outposts of the regular army of God. Christ's etceteras are a union mission, a Christian and therefore an international brotherhood, a supplementary worldwide evangelization crusade. Our method is to search and find out what parts of the world at present remain unevangelized. And then by faith in Christ, by prayer to God, by obedience to the Holy Spirit, by courage, determination, and supreme sacrifice to accomplish their evangelization with the utmost dispatch. The code of the etceteras. Anyone who wants to be an etcetera. We are talking about the Navy SEALs of Christianity. We are talking about the ultimate of ultimate men and women of God. The ones that the true saints and the true believers stand in awe before. Because when you see a CT stud that heads straight into interior Africa, unblinking, unfazed, unstaggered by what he will face, he doesn't know the language, he is told even by the men that guard the borders of key lands that he will certainly die and he says onward Christian soldier he heads straight into it that is a man 
that I esteem. C.T. Studd is the type of Christian that I want to be like. But what is it about him that I want to emulate? That very thing that I want that he has is the very thing that turns my blood cold when I ponder it. Fearlessness. To follow Jesus Christ wherever the Lamb would lead. This is the code of the Exedras. When he mapped it out, listen to what he himself said. The head, the commander, the director of the mission is the triune God. David selected five smooth stones from the brook to polish off Goliath. We therefore have selected the following five to be the basis of our operations, to which everyone who joins must adhere. Number one, absolute faith in the deity of each person of the Trinity. Number two, absolute belief in the full inspiration of the Old and New Testament scriptures. Number three, a vow to know and to preach none other save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Number four, obedience to Christ's command to love all who love the Lord Jesus sincerely without respect of persons and to love all men. Number five, absolute faith in the will, power, and providence of God to meet our every need in his service. Look at number five. Because if you want to see what causes C.T. Studd to stand out amongst all other Christians in his generation, he is headed into the darkest most depraved parts of the earth. His health, his finances, he has nothing. He's penniless. And he's going into a dimension without any support from any missionary society. In other words, there is no infrastructure of support to get him his mail to him where he's going to be. If you want to do this right, make sure you have a missionary society that is sponsoring you because they have outposts. They have a system to get you your mail. He is going, as a 52-year-old sickly man, straight into the den of darkness, without money, without sponsorship, and without health. Absolute faith in the will, power, and providence of God to meet our every need in his service. If he's called, he will enable. Watch in wonder what God will do. This is exactly what every great missionary throughout the ages has done. They trust God and not merely the natural realm. And say, well, I have plenty of money. Okay, I feel comfortable there. All right, now I have a whole support system that if I ever have a need, I can make my need known to them and they can immediately respond and wire money to me. All right, I'm strong and I'm healthy. I passed the physical. You know how many Christian missionaries that I respect didn't pass the physical? Amy Carmichael, Hudson Taylor, C.T. Studd, Gladys Aylward didn't pass a different physical. She wasn't intelligent enough. She was too old to be a missionary who could learn the Chinese dialect. She was rejected by the missionary society. Literally, I just named some of the greatest missionaries of all time. Their faith wasn't in the natural. Their faith was in their God. And that is why I respect them. They lived out true, world-altering faith on planet Earth. Okay, this is, this is good. This is how this man lived. The funds for this work shall be sought from God only. So say you have an entire network of people who could support you. C.T. Studd, George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael. You know one thing that they all have in common? is they never took a need that they had to any man. They all only took it to the throne room of heaven. Only God knew their need. And so when the provision came, who got the credit? Reese Howells lived this out in such an incredible way in his generation. I tell God of my need. God can tell whomever he wants. He knows his saints all over the earth. C.T. Studd and his wife... We're out of money. They had nothing, and they had four kids in interior China. That's where all of them were born, by the way. All without any even midwife. Could you imagine that? Talk about serious faith guts. And they have nothing. So it's either starvation or it's supernatural provision. Hardly anyone on planet Earth knew where they were or how to get mail to them. And so they prayed, and they said, God... Show yourself strong. We trust you. This man on the other side of the globe 
oh, a year earlier, is stirred with a burden for this man known as C.T. Studd. He's never met the man, but God has placed a heavy burden upon his soul to give a very determined amount to this man. We didn't even know where he was. He found out where he was and posted it towards C.T. Studd. What, I don't know, a year earlier? And on that very Saturday, when they were facing absolute, I mean, they couldn't even feed their kids, absolute destitution. And they had prayed and said, watch what God will do, and the post would be delivered every two weeks. So if it didn't come then, they'd have two weeks without food. And a letter arrives from a man they'd never even heard of or known. But God knew him. And God can speak to whomever he chooses about your circumstance. And who gets the credit in a situation like that? It's God. And that's what these men and women had in common. And the etceteras were based on this as a principle. If you want to be one of the etceteras, this is how you live. You don't say, well, I'm not called to that. Well, you're not an etcetera then. Christ's etceteras are marked by this. This is part of their code of behavior. The funds for this work shall be sought from God only. Nobody else shall ever be asked for either a donation or subscription. No collection for etcetera work shall ever be taken up at any meeting held or recognized by this brotherhood. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we have the word of Christ that God will supply our needs. If we degenerate into seeking anything else, the sooner we cease to exist, the better for ourselves, for the world, and for the cause of Christ. <clears throat> Sound like modern American Christianity there? This is multiple steps removed from anything we have tasted. But I want us to behold it. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Irish elk. I want to behold the majesty of what Christianity has always been. This is what we need to return to. It is an all-out, complete confidence that when God speaks it in his word, he means it. And that when God gives a calling to a man or a woman, he enables that calling. And he is not blind to the need. He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says over and over and over again, take no thought for your life. Let me take thought for your life. You take thought for my glory. You are here for my glory. I am here for you. If you are here for you, then you are dependent upon yourself to carry out the great mission. But if you are here for me, then it will all hinge upon my ability to carry out the mission. Which one do you think is preferable? The mission being on God's shoulders or on your shoulders? I'll give you a hint. If you want this to work, Stick it squarely on God's shoulders, and you will see supernatural triumph on planet Earth again. Gamblers for God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Not many people like the fact that they need to die to live. But there is no other way to find the etc. life than to die. You, it's not just dying in the physical sense. It is dying in the spiritual sense. It is no longer about you. It is no longer your agenda, your wish list, your wants, your desires. It's not about your ability and your talent. It's about his ability. It's about his glory. It's about his agenda. And that's what it means to die spiritually. It's dying to you, your involvement, your way of doing things, and allowing Jesus Christ to have you. Do you really trust him? This is the question for a gambler. C.T. Studd, back in that day, it must have been gamblers for gold was a very common thing. He refers to that over and over again. Gambling isn't something we typically associate with the kingdom of heaven. But C.T. Studd would always put it, it's like these men will risk everything to go and find gold. They'll risk health, they'll risk family relationships because there is a greed within them and they want to prosper they want to be wealthy well is there anything within the church of God that is willing to risk everything to find the ultimate treasure known as Jesus Christ 
Because I don't care how much gold these gamblers find. It doesn't even compare to the pearl of great price known as Jesus Christ. He's everything. He's the full inheritance. Everything of God made available to men. What are you willing to risk to get it? Are you willing to sell all to find it? Because that's what it costs. If you want to be a gambler for God, you will not be disappointed. But it's going to cost you everything. Do you believe that his word is in fact the word of God and wholly backed by the integrity of the Almighty? He promises to back those who believe and he cannot lie. So are you willing to lay it on the line in this generation to prove your God faithful? George Mueller made a declaration to his generation. Watch and behold that God is still a prayer-answering God. You may have never seen the supernatural. And George Mueller said, but watch. I will forsake all and I will take my needs before only the throne room of heaven. And he will provide. Watch. Takes on a thousand orphans. There's only one way for them to be fed, and that's supernaturally through God, because he has no supporters. A thousand orphans? That's a lot of mouths to feed, especially without any income. They would literally have days where they would set the table with empty plates, making the statement, God will fill these plates. And guess what? Never once in the entire testimony of George Mueller's ministry did one of his children go without a meal. Never once. Who in this generation is willing to demonstrate that our God is a prayer-answering God? What's the prerequisite? There's a gambling that takes place, and it's a gambling with your life. Are you willing to lay it all down to get what God will do in this generation? George Mueller was. Reese Howes was. C.T. Studd was. Amy Carmichael was. Gladys Aylward was. That's what sets them apart. We want what they have. But the way they got it is they gambled everything on Jesus Christ. Or are you one of the humbugs? I pray thee, have me excused. There is a part in every single one of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, that is looking for some way out of the draft. That is looking for some conscientious objector type of status. It's like, I just don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, killing people. And so, you know, I'm going to do the conscientious objector thing. We do it spiritually. It's like, well, you know, I have a weak constitution. I have student debt and student loans. You know, my family really isn't supporting of this. You know, and I don't want to offend them. I have a really good relationship with my mom. There are a thousand reasons that we will lay before the throne of God to say, please have me excused. And I'm saying that not one of them will stand up in the judgment day. All that matters is the glory of Jesus Christ. He is the focal point of everything in all of earth's history, and that includes your life. He's the focal point. It's all that matters is Jesus Christ and what his opinion is of your life. And did you live it well for his glory? So when it all comes down to it at the judgment seat, that's it. Was your life gambled for Jesus Christ? Did you lay it on the line for Jesus Christ because he laid it on the line for you? And this is a covenant. And in a covenant, there's an exchange. He gives up everything, you give up everything back. That's Christianity. Gold or God? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We as Christians, especially in our modern day, we have entire renditions of Christianity which are based on wealth. And that if you give up this much, then you will get back this much in wealth. I want you to realize that wealth and, and money has a role in the Christian life. But it's more like a test than anything else. How you handle your physical wealth is ultimately a proving ground for how you're handling the truth of God. Where does he lie in your value system? Because he should be at the very top. We have this other notion that Christianity is all about 10% tithe. And so when you come to Christianity, it's one of the, the first bummers that you face. It's like, great. Now, I mean, I, might, I was already tight in my budget. Now I need to give up 10%. I want to make it a little worse for you. Because Christianity isn't about a 10% tithe. It's about a 100% tithe. You are all in on Jesus Christ. Every inch of your life, every dime that you have belongs to someone else other than you. It's his. 
That's what Christianity is. It's 100%. And so when you come to Jesus, you give it all up. This isn't about your pursuit of money. This isn't about your pursuit of position. This is about your pursuit of the glory of Jesus Christ. If gold is causing you to rise up and to forsake all and to go and seek it, if you're a gold seeker, God has to deal with you because that's hindering your walk with Jesus Christ. That's hindering the global portrayal of Jesus Christ on this earth. That has to be dealt with. We need to be God seekers, God miners, God prospectors. We're prospecting for souls. We're looking for his glory to be found on this earth. Where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Which one is the greater appeal to your soul? Gold or God? Which one raises you up from the couch quicker? If you had an opportunity to make a million dollars next week, or you had the opportunity to save one soul over in Ethiopia, which one would get you up off the couch quicker? We all know the answer to that one, and it shames us. I could have a million dollars? And what's our next thought? Yeah, but I could give 10% to God. That's $100,000 I could give to the church. That's a lot. Of course, what are you making out with? 900 grand? What's your motive? What's getting you up off the couch? C.T. Studd, the greatest happiness in his life was to save a soul. That's all he cared about. That's what got him up off the couch. That's what caused him to leave the comforts of England. You should see his house. Have you ever seen uh, Pride and Prejudice? What's the guy? Mr. Darcy? You seen Pemberley? Pemberley's nothing next to C.T. Studd's mansion that he grew up in. Nothing! It's this gorgeous estate. And he left it all because souls, lost souls, got him up off the couch. Where is it? Where are they? Let me at them. They need to hear the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who will bring that news to them? Which one would you gamble to get more of? Gold or God? The call to insignificance. Now, if the calling of Jesus Christ was to significance and to applause, it'd be a little easier. Instead, God adds this nice little wrinkle to it. Yeah, are you willing to die? Are you willing to die to your reputation, to the way people see you? Are you willing to die to the fact that people will like you on planet Earth and you will always be applauded? That you will be one of the favorites among men? Are you willing to be such a man or a woman that you would be forgotten and only God would be seen? Are you willing to work in a back alley in Bombay for the rest of your life, not having a single soul on planet Earth know what you're doing? You know how many Christians have been spent and we don't know about them? They were insignificance and nobodies to this world. And I guarantee you in heaven, they're known. The etceteras are not etceteras down in, or up in heaven. They're etceteras down here in that C.T. Studd's entire philosophy. It doesn't matter what they think of you down here. All that matters is the glory of Jesus Christ and his precious opinion. If he's behind you, that's all that matters. If he's with you in the back alley of Bombay, that is all that matters. If he's standing up and cheering, that applause, the applause of one, is all that matters. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Do you require notoriety? Or are you willing to serve unnoticed? Are you willing to be one of Christ's etceteras, or must you be one of Christ's somebodies? Is this for your reputation or for his? These are questions that only the Spirit of God can dig deep enough to answer within us. He purifies our motives. Because sometimes we holler that we're ready to be Christ's etceteras, and then the moment we get overlooked and slighted, we realize that this does have something to do with our reputation. The moment that the thing that we do, someone else gets credit for it, is the moment we feel that sting, and the mo- is the moment we begin to measure, or the Spirit of God is measuring within us, that, no, this still has something to do with you. We're in this picture, and there's a constant decreasing of us so that Christ can increase. So if you feel that sting or that longing for the stage and that itch for the glory, that's humanity. That's how it works. 
But Christ's etceteras are the ones that are willing to be completely removed from the scene, completely removed from the stage. And they're in the back room praying. No one knows that they're the true power behind what's taking place. In William and Catherine Booth's ministry, there was a man beneath the stage that would pray. No one would ever see him. And William Booth, at the point of time when he was calling forth the people to give up their life and to surrender it to Jesus Christ, he would yell out, pray! Who is he talking to? He's talking to the guy beneath the stage who was on his, on his face, with his face between his knees. And that man spent his life and his ministry was beneath a stage with his head beneath his knees. The ones that were noticed were William and Catherine, amazing men and women of God. But that man is an extraordinary man who might not be noticed. His face might not be recognized down here on this earth. But in heaven, he's not an etc. He's not an insignificant, and he's not a nobody. Beyond the extremist outposts, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Africa, interior Africa, early 1900s. No missionary has ever reached the interior. They have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Countless millions of tribes, countless millions of tribes, men and women, have never before encountered the realities of the gospel. One man is willing to rise up and say, let's do something about it. I'm willing to go. Who will go with me? One man went with him, Albert Buxton, who later became his son-in-law. One man, he was a 21-year-old guy, went with C.T. Studd, the 52-year-old. A 52-year-old and a 21-year-old. You know who's the first to get sick? The 21-year-old. C.T. just kept motoring along for 20 years in interior Africa. The stories are breathtaking. It's amazing what this guy did. To the extremist outposts, do you have a limit to your obedience? Think about it. Is there something you are unwilling to do? You know, when I ask myself that question, I do feel a cap at a certain point. And it's, it's usually something to do with being called as a missionary to Iraq with my family or being called to uh, East Timor with my family. Why is it that Eric has a hesitation in those points? Isn't this the calling of Jesus Christ? God, could you please have me excused from that one? Could you call someone else? We've got a whole bunch of people out here. The extremist outposts. I have to weigh myself on this one too. God, could you call me to the Bahamas? You know, if you're going to pick somewhere else other than America, send me, you know, there. You know, to that Costa Rican resort. You know, they have some serious needs in Costa Rica. See that resort there? I, I could live there. The extremist outposts. Is there any cap to your obedience? Is there anything that is hindering you from saying yes to anything God would ask? Because there's a disposition difference between saying, God, whatever. And uh, God, okay, you see these? Any of these things in this little quadrant, I'm open to. But then even after he asks, you know what we do? We still filter it, and we weigh it, and we pray about it, and act like God hasn't called us. We are now choosing if we want his call. I want you to realize that Christianity isn't choosing to accept the call. It is predeciding before the call comes that he is worthy, and you say yes. And then the call comes, and you've already said yes. Are there places you simply are unwilling to go? Would you rather that someone else go instead? Let me ask that last one again. Would you rather that someone else go instead? Almost every single one of us in here would have to admit that we lean in the direction of saying, yes, for that one thing. You know that C.T. Stun and the men of his generation that surrounded him, they all wanted to be the one God would send. The story, as it goes... They're in China, and there's about seven of them from Cambridge that all went over, 
And a riot has broken out in a major city in China, and they're all meeting with Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, in, in that city. And Hudson Taylor said, I'm going to need two of you to stay behind in the midst of this, and you may lose your life doing it. But I need a representation of the gospel here in this city. And all seven of them raised their hand. And they were all mad at the others saying, I raised it first. I had my hand up first. They all wanted to be the ones. They weren't saying, I wish that someone else would go instead. What do they have? Because whatever that is, we need it inside of us. Take no thought for your life. Therefore I say unto you, and this is a compilation. You'll notice it says Matthew 6, 25, 31, 34, and 33. I don't know if you've ever seen a scripture where I changed the order of something. You'll see dot, dot, dots. He says more than three times, but I picked out three times in this scripture. He says, take no thought for your life. And then I gave his conclusive statement. But after that conclusive statement, he says one more time. Okay, that's why you see the the rearrangement here. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. This is Jesus speaking. Take no thought. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Can I trust God to meet the needs of life? Do I prefer the ordinance of this world to the ordinance of God? Do I really believe that God provides for his own? There is an ordinance or a law of this earth, and that is if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't save up, then when you need to spend and you, don't, and you write a check from your bank account that has zero dollars in it, that check bounces. These are the laws of this earth. The financial laws, the laws of health, these all are against us. We have to labor in a very certain fashion in this life to be able to support our existence. Or how about to support a family? You know that Jackie Pollinger has not had a job for, I don't know what it's been, 40, 50 years? She works for the King of Kings. She has over 100 people, ex-heroin addicts, ex-prostitutes that are dependent, little orphan kids that were abandoned in Hong Kong, that are all dependent upon her. And guess what? She feeds over 100 people, which she calls her family, every day. And she works for the King of Kings. You explain that. She works under a different law. She works for the king. And when you submit unto the heavenly law, then the rules of the kingdom govern your existence. And that is you take no thought for your life. You seek first the kingdom. He will clothe you. He will feed you. He will cover you. Everything you need for life and godliness will be assured unto you. Why? You've submitted to your king. And you follow after his pattern. If you submit to this world's pattern, then you have to then you take the full responsibility for having to live 100% right in it. If you forget to transfer the money from that account to this one and you write that check, guess what? $37 overdraft fee. I guess it's down to 35 now. This is the law of this earth. You have no credit line in heaven. There is no system to back you up. No one's going to take care of your debt except for you. But you submit unto the God of the universe. And you say, God, I got physical weaknesses here. God, I got financial weaknesses here. God, I don't have what it takes to pull this off. He says, submit to me. I do. I have everything you need to pull this off. You live under my ordinance. You live under my law. I will do it for you. Do you really believe that God provides for his own? I know he does. I can't testify at the level of these other men and women, but I can testify. I've had extreme moments in my life where God's asked me to give up every dime that I have. Every last dime. You know, my last $5 was the hardest $5 I ever gave away in my life. Five bucks. What's the big deal? Because it's the only $5 I had. I needed to buy saline solution the next day. And if you wear contacts, you know what I mean. How in the world am I supposed to go without saline solution? I can go without food, but I can't go without saline solution. You know that God has supplied my needs every last time. I had one time where I gave up everything I had. I I was at a school, and I had a tuition that I had paid, 
And there was another student that they were going to be kicked out of the school because their tuition wasn't paid. And the day for their removal was at hand. And God spoke to me that morning. Give them your tuition and take on their debt. What? I knew exactly what God was asking. And so I did. And guess who got removed from the school? I did. I took on someone else's debt. And I had a week of fasting and prayer. And you know what happened? God sent in a check and covered my entire account without anyone knowing about it. I didn't tell anyone. I've known these stories for years. I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. And God supplied. I can tell you story after story after story. Let me give you an illustration that God gave me a, a few months ago. Leslie and I don't live with a tremendous amount of excess. We had two car- both of our cars at this time had bad tires. The type of thing where at any moment the tires could go out. And if you have four kids, it, you know, the ante is raised when I think of my wife driving down the road with four kids and the tires going out. But to spend money on tires when you don't have money is extremely difficult for a guy to do. It's like, tires, God, it's rubber. I have plenty of things that are seemingly more valuable than that. And I remember I was uh, getting ready to mow, and I was standing by my vehicle. I was looking down at the tires with disgust. I was like, stupid tires. Uh, you know, tires of all things. Why, God, could you give supernatural tread to the tires, just like he did to the Israelites' shoes? Uh, and here's what I felt God ask me. Do you have money to put new tires on? No, I don't. Uh, I don't have the money. Uh, Eric, let me ask you that again. Do you have the money to put new tires on? Well, technically I have the money in the bank, but that money is already accounted for somewhere. Eric, do you have the money in your bank account? Gulp. Uh, Well, I do, but if I spend it on tires, I'm not going to have it for sailing solution. God was making his point. Do you trust me? That if you give that money to the thing that you know is important, that I will supply everything you need. And this is what I call the little puddle principle. We have a little puddle, and that's all we see. That's our provision. A little water. We need a lot more water than that. But all we have is a little puddle. And so God says, draw from the puddle. You have what you need in that puddle. Well, it sure isn't very much. And if I take all that's in that puddle, I won't have anything for the next day. He says, take it. If you take from that puddle, you know what supports this puddle? An aquifer, a spring. And whenever you trust God and in faith draw from that puddle, it refills. Everything you need will always be there when you need it. But you have to move forward in faith and trust that your God is able. Because if you always leave that puddle there and never touch it, you'll never see the supernatural aquifer at work in your life. The etcetera's test. Okay, before I go into this, I want, uh, I want to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd measure us and be gentle with us, Lord. For we aren't all that you intend us to be yet. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take us there. And that you would make us men and women worthy of such a title as the etceteras. Lord Jesus, that everything that these great men and women of history past have had in their souls, that we would have it and even more in this generation. For we need it. We need it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, the etcetera's test. I want you to honestly allow the Spirit of God to measure you against this test. And it's all right if you fail it because... Every single one of us in the natural sense as humans will fail every single one of these things. But I want you to realize this is what God does in a man and a woman of God. This is what he is building you for. If you don't have the vision, then you won't allow God to do this because there's nothing in this world that will press you in this direction except the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Those are the tools that God will use to build such a list within your life. Am I willing to serve forgotten and without applause?
Am I willing to forgo the comforts of life? Remember, you're an American. There's nothing harder for an American to ever consider than to give up the comforts of America. Are you willing? Am I willing to let go my reputation? Jesus let go his reputation, and he was considered a common criminal. And he didn't open his mouth to defend himself. Are you willing? Am I willing to go anywhere, no matter the danger or darkness? Am I willing to die young for the sake of Christ? Do you remember how I said this is not just a message for the young missionary, but this is a message for the, missionary, the young missionary's parents? You know, I fully accept the fact that my children are most likely going to die martyrs' deaths. And that could be young. And I want you to realize I feel that as a father. I understand what that means, but I also know what I'm training them for. I'm training etceteras. I'm not training somebodies. I'm training Christ's nobodies. Purposely, I am doing this on purpose. I understand the calling of Christ. Are you willing to die young for the sake of Christ? Am I willing to live lonely among the heathen? In other words, those that don't know Jesus. Heathen sort of an old word. When you read C.T. Studd, words like that end up coming out in your notes. <clears throat> Am I willing to be misunderstood by my family and other Christians? Am I willing to suffer in my body? Am I willing to be an etc., an insignificant, a nobody for the glory of Jesus Christ? For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So just in case you're starting to feel the weight of what this means, and you're starting to feel a bit of discouragement and heaviness in the call, consider Jesus. That's the command of Hebrews. Consider Jesus. Because when you consider Jesus and you measure him against your circumstances, your circumstances are nothing. And it is the great privilege that you have to give unto your king as your king gave unto you. This is our perspective as a Christian. It is not dour. It is not morose. It is not gloom and doom. You know what our calling is? It's life. It's privilege. It's opportunity. C.T. Studd was one of the funniest guys in his generation. He laughed all the time. When he's in interior Africa, do you know that all the natives loved this man? They would laugh with him. They would share in the joys of life with him. He wasn't a somber man, yet he was an etc. He was willing to die at any moment for anyone around him. Yet he wasn't somber and you know, grievous in his, in his mentalities. He was full of life and robust with joy. We are called to be the happiest people on earth. But this is the avenue to the happiness. You go after gold and you'll think that you're going after happiness. But you will find the ultimate in depression. But you go after God and that's the secret to happiness. You spend your life for the living God and you will find the fullness of joy. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would take this message and you would inspire at least one etc. in this generation. May this message not be wasted. And even if it's a recording of it 40 years from now, that at least one etc. would be born. One man or woman who says, I'm all in. Lord Jesus, I want that. I want whatever that is in my life. Lord, you may not have called us to interior Africa, but you've called us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that wherever it is, we would be willing and even if it's here in America, where we have to be surrounded by these comforts and constantly 
having to fight for the truth of Jesus Christ in a culture that seemingly has you but is dead. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make us fit for the most difficult of mission fields, no matter what that is. Lord Jesus, for the glory, the honor, and the praise and the adoration of your name and for your renown, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Eric Ludy, pastor at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. More information can be found on our website, www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. Know that we are cheering you on as Christ cultivates his set-apart life within you.